I remember it like it was yesterday, walking into the federal courthouse in Newark, New Jersey, wearing a suit and looking at the bankruptcy judge and waiting for the words that came out of his mouth next. And I didn't know what they were going to be, but I knew they were going to be uncomfortable. And he looked at me and said, Mr. Carroll, how did you get into this situation? And I proceeded to explain to the bankruptcy judge over the course of probably the next, what seemed like an hour, but was probably more like 10 seconds or 20 seconds, how I had racked up just mountains of debt and ended up in a hole that I just couldn't see a way out of. And I'm sharing this story today because that period of my life probably required more courage on my part than I had ever exhibited up to that point because I had to actually face not only in court, but on the phone and in meetings. I had to actually face the lenders, the people I owed money to, the people I had let down. I had to face my wife and kind of own up to everything that had led me to that point. And on top of that, the financial crisis of 2008, 9, 10 was standing on all of our shoulders, making recovery seem next to impossible because the business that I was in at the time, real estate, was at the center of the economic crisis. In fact, the entire economic crisis rippled outward from real estate. So the real estate bubble blew up and everything else kind of went with it. So I'm looking at this going, how in the world, like, where do we go from here? And I remember having to call up my cell phone company on our landline phone because my cell phone got shut off because I was two months behind on the payment and I probably owed them about four or $500. I don't know how much it was, but and I, I remember begging the representative to just keep my phone on for 24 more hours so I could find enough money to pay at least one month of the bill. Because if I could do that, I could still use the phone and potentially drum up some business and try to earn some money in a market where nobody, it seemed like, wanted to buy any real estate <laughs> or do anything. Because financially speaking, the world was melting down. And I also remember having to use my PayPal account to charge my own credit card so that I had enough money to pay the electric bill for our apartment because that was going to get shut off. So why am I sharing this? Because right now, a lot of what's happening in this coronavirus season that we're in which nobody really knows how long it's going to last, reminds me of what that felt like. And I've talked about this maybe a few episodes ago, but I wanted to go into a little bit more detail because I feel like I have something to offer in terms of having lived through that experience, which was in large part caused by my own financial decisions, but made 50 times worse by what was going on outside of my control in the world. And 
this reminds me of then because there was a period where I remember we were all glued to the TV and it was kind of like, which bank is going to go out of business next? And I remember watching TV and watching all of the employees at the New York City financial institutions literally packing up their boxes and getting thrown out and watching all of the stocks go to zero and seeing people getting laid off left and right. And it reminds me of what's happening now. And this is different than that because things were doing, you know, fine one day, it seemed like, and we were all living our life and, you know, hustling and trying to make stuff happen. And then the next day, pretty much the world just pressed the pause button. And a lot of people lost work almost overnight. But here's what I learned from all of that. And here's why I think it fits into the Courageous Actor podcast. We will get through this. We will come out the other side of this. I think we all know that intellectually. But we will not come out of this the same as the, when we went into it. And that could be a good thing. It could be a not so good thing. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be opportunities. But I remember living through not only that, but also through 9-11. And 9-11 was a very different experience altogether because it shattered all of us to our core. But in each of those scenarios, having, having been in the working world for this scenario, the financial crisis of 2008, 910, and 9-11, and even the, the dot-com bubble that burst in 1999 where um, people lost fortunes, like I've seen all of this, and, and what I've noticed each time is that while I was in it, it seemed like it was going to last forever. And it seemed like every day was just a wild swing of emotions of good news, bad news, worse news, worse news than we thought we could ever see. And then glimmer of hope, glimmer of hope, more crushing news. And it was just this yo-yo every single day, up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's what it felt like each time. I remember working during, right after 9-11, I was a school teacher and I remember we all had the TVs on in our classroom because a lot of us were so shaken, we felt like we had to keep the TV on in case something else happened. Like we wanted to be aware in case something else happened that we need to take you know fast action and protect our students and protect ourselves. And this was before the internet where we, we didn't have cell phones with notifications. So keeping the television on all the time was kind of the way we, we stayed connected. And I remember just finally one day our principal got on the loudspeaker and said, ladies and gentlemen, we need to turn the TVs off. We will be monitoring the news here in the office. And if something warrants action where we feel like the school needs to know, we will immediately alert everyone and keep everyone in the loop. But right now we need to get back to teaching. And we all kind of chuckled when she said that because it was like, yeah, right. Like none of us could focus on anything. It was so, it shook us all that we were like, how am I supposed to teach music theory right now when we might be going into World War III? And that's, <laughs> I remember a student asking me that exact same question, like, Mr. Carroll, what's the point? What's the point? And another day passed and another day passed. And yes, the world was changed forever. And we went into war and it was a really just difficult time, scary time for, for the country and the world. And but we, we pressed on. 
And we learned from it. And each day got a little bit better and a little bit easier. And there wasn't this one magical day where we all went back to work as normal. That changed us all forever and as it should. The same thing happened during the financial crisis. And me being in business at the time, I remember having CNBC, which is the business news channel, on pretty much constantly. I would get up at four in the morning and I would flip it on. What's, this, what's the market doing? What are they saying about mortgages? What are they saying about this bank or that bank? Because I, I truly believe that if I stayed 24-7 connected and informed, I would be able to better respond. And I remember reaching that point where I had gone through the bankruptcy. Um, you know, the bankruptcy judge had issued a decree. We had to pay back the money, not all of it, but most of it. We didn't just get the slate wiped clean. And so I'm scrambling, trying to figure out how am I going to keep the light bill on? How am I going to keep food on the table? And I, I finally, it, it dawned on me that staying obsessed with the news is not going to, it's just not going to help me get there, that I need to moderate what I'm doing here. And I talked about this on the last episode about addiction to the news, because I found myself getting caught in that same cycle this time. And then what ended up happening is because I had switched the news off and I decided, okay, I'm going to just connect with people that I know in this business that are doing well or have been doing well. I'm going to ask for some advice, some guidance. I ended up getting connected with this person who had been through many recessions before that and who suggested, hey, this is a good opportunity maybe for you to get some training, some you know, study. And I ended up learning about something in the business that was going to end up helping a lot of people through that crisis. And I became one of the top real estate salespersons in that area, mainly because I took what I had gone through, my own financial topsy-turvy, and used that as my passion to go and learn how could I help other homeowners who were struggling right now. And so I learned how to help them out of houses that they couldn't afford. I learned to help them negotiate with banks when nobody else was doing it. And by just pouring myself into service, yes, I got paid for it, but those opportunities wouldn't have existed if I didn't kind of have that like awakening moment of, you know, how can, I, how can I contribute here? How can I be of value? And it was still scary as hell. That doesn't mean that one day I woke up and was like, oh, everything's fine now. That financial crisis lasted, that feeling lasted years. And on top of it, because I was going through my own personal bankruptcy and having to pay back this money, that I didn't know where I was going to get it from. Um, that just, it was just so stressful. It took me years to recover emotionally from that. And I'm still carrying some scars. Now bring us forward here to 2020 and, and the coronavirus. The similarities are there. The emotional ups and downs and one day feeling like, hey, I got this. And the next minute, not wanting to get out of bed. One day feeling like, you know, I'm going to get on my routine and I'm going to keep myself accountable. And then the next day feeling like, what's the freaking point? Nobody's doing anything. And so what I've learned from going through those other two periods is that this is, this is normal, first of all. So we're human beings. We're experiencing grief right now. There are stages of grief and those stages come and go in an unpredictable way sometimes. So for me, the courageous act is committing to come out the other side of this 
a better human being than I went into it. And I think that's a good philosophy to live by. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, whether or not we're dealing with coronavirus. But when I look back at this time, I want to be looking at it and saying, am I proud of the way that I went through that? I'm not going to look back and say, you know, how many new product offerings did I create? How many auditions did I book? Because none of that stuff is, you know, really going on right now. Sure, there's businesses doing well. Sure, there, there's some film and TV work that's virtual or, um, you know, voiceover work that might be happening and people still asking for self-tape submissions and all that stuff. But like, I'm not going to look back on this time and probably even remember how many self-tape auditions I sent in. I will look back and remember how I felt and how I processed it. And whether or not I judged myself harshly or whether I allowed myself to be a human being and work through it like a human being. Like that's how I look back at 2001 after 9-11. That's how I look back at the financial crisis. What I'm most proud of about going through that financial crisis, which is very different than what we're going through now. And I realize that. I realize that. So I don't mean to belittle and say like, ah, we got through that. We can get through this. Like, don't worry about it. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that what I'm most proud of is how I grew emotionally, how I grew mentally, how I allowed myself to cry, how I allowed myself to admit to my wife and to other people, I don't know what to do right now. I have no damn clue what to do right now. I'm scared out of my mind. I look back on that fondly because it shaped me. And when things started to turn around and they will turn around, I was 10 times more emotionally strong and mentally strong to handle the growth that was about to come my way, not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally, and in so many other ways, financially for sure. And so if I fast forward five years from now and I look back at this period, I have no idea what's going to come of it. You know, the, the theater industry might be completely changed forever. In fact, it Might, I could probably remove might from that phrase. I think the theater industry will be changed forever in some ways that we don't know yet. From the audition process to the rehearsal process to budgets to which theaters stay around and which close, the landscape is going to be changed. We know that. We, We don't have a whole lot of control over that. But when I look back, I'm going to think about the incredible movie that my wife and I watched on Netflix on Saturday night together for two hours where we laughed together and cried together. Like that's what I'm going to look back at and say, what a gift that was that we actually took some time during that crisis to be together and enjoy entertainment together. I'm going to look back at how I continued to record podcast episodes to share my feelings and my thoughts I'm going to look back at, I slept until noon more times in the last three weeks than I think I have in the last three years. I've stayed up till 4 (laughs) a.m. and journaled and worked creatively and connected with my audience on some social platforms to give advice and suggestions and feedback that I probably wouldn't have done if I knew I had to be up at a certain time. So that's what's awesome about all of this is that It doesn't matter what I think you should do. It doesn't matter what 
the, the productivity experts think you should do. It doesn't matter what a casting director tells you you should be doing. It matters what you think you should be doing based on how you want to look back at this time. That's all that matters. You won't, you won't remember how many times you slept in or got up. You won't. You'll remember how you felt. You'll remember how you processed how you felt. You'll remember who you connected with during this time. You'll remember specifically where you were when certain things happened or when you got certain news. And so the key for me is what do we take out of this and how does it change us? And are we going to have it change us in a positive way? Even though the things, the circumstances that may be happening might be negative right now. And again, let's take the word might out of that. I mean, this is I was listening to Simon Sinek the other day, and he said, you know, this is not the time for just blind positivity. It is a time for optimism. Simon Sinek talked about that. My acting mentor, Jen Waldman, talked about that. Optimism, believing that there's a better future ahead, as opposed to positivity, pretending that everything is fine and whistling past the graveyard, as the saying goes. Like, you can be positive without being delusional, as one of my other mentors says. But we can be optimistic no matter what. We can look at what's going on right now and say, this sucks. However, I believe the future will be better. I'm in pain right now. I'm in financial pain, emotional pain, but I will come out the other side of this a better person. I believe that is an optimistic view. And I believe, you know, we can choose that. And some days we're going to be better at it than others. Now, again, I think I'm able to have that view now more so than I was in 2009 and more so than I was in 2001. Because whenever you're going through something for the first time, there's not much to draw on, right? So for many of you, you may not have been even alive during 9-11. Many of you might have been you know, in elementary school during the financial crisis, maybe some of your parents lost jobs, maybe you had to move or downsize, or um, you saw your parents fight a lot because, you know, people were losing jobs and losing money. So I'm sure that shaped you. And none of us have gone through, at least I don't think anybody listening to this podcast has gone through a global pandemic like this. But I can tell you that you will draw on this in the future. And it's going to make you stronger for whatever you tackle next. Whether it's a global thing that's affecting all of us, or whether it's a localized thing that's just affecting you and your family and your career. So some of the things that I'm doing right now, I'm capturing as much of it as I can. That's why I'm recording podcasts. That's why I am writing a lot more in my journal. It's why I'm taking more quiet time to just think and reflect and why I'm giving myself a break if I don't show up at 9 a.m. for that webinar, if I miss a class or something that I paid for. I'm giving myself a break on that and trusting that at the end of the day, I'm not going to remember whether or not I showed up live for the webinar or watched the recording. I am going to remember how I felt and how I took care of myself. So actors, creatives, entrepreneurs, all of us, we will get through this. 
I know you've been saying that. I know you believe it intellectually. Some days, especially if the money is running out, if you were waiting on the phone with the unemployment office, got kicked off the line seven times today, like I know a lot of people did. Um, you, you, you don't know how you're going to make rent. You don't know if you're ever going to act again. I know, like I know. I'm right there with you. I had so much business lined up, both on the acting side of my life and the um, other businesses that I'm involved in. And I'm still involved in the real estate business to, uh, to a certain degree. The income over on those businesses has shrunk dramatically over the last three weeks. Clients have bailed out of contracts and I've been more than happy to release them from that. And just like many of you, I'm looking ahead going, okay, how are we going to make things work here? <laughs> We've got not only rent and food and all of that stuff, but you know, what about, what about my career? What do I need to do? And the last thing I'll say on this is in 2008-9 and in 2001, even though social media was coming into its own around 2008, I think I got onto Facebook in 2008 and I might have been a little late to the game. Um, there definitely was an Instagram in, at that time and definitely not in 2001. It was a lot different in terms of like getting a pulse on what everybody else was feeling. So nowadays I... Here in 2020, I can scroll through Instagram and kind of see how some of you are processing this. I can see, you know, different leaders that I follow, different business leaders, acting leaders. I can, I can seek out inspiration and um, information on how people are handling this. That wasn't available, as readily available, in having gone through these other two uh, global crises. Didn't have, that, didn't have that option, which I think is good and can be not so good depending upon how you look at it. So the good thing about having it now is that I can get a healthy dose of perspective. So, you know, you could possibly listen to this podcast. Maybe I said something on this podcast that helped shift your perspective on something and you'll pass it on to someone else. Maybe it didn't. Maybe you, you were scrolling Instagram and got a shift. I can tell you that that works the other way. If everybody in your newsfeed is focusing on one particular thing that is not making you feel so great, that will have an impact on some of the decisions that you're making that day. It's just, it's, it's fact. So I think there's a plus and a minus to being very connected. And the other thing that I, I noticed myself being aware of, which is why I recorded the last episode about being addicted to the news and social media, is because... Just because I'm recording this podcast and just because maybe a leader that you follow has posted something inspirational about how well they're handling this and how they're staying super productive and motivated, that doesn't mean that is how they're living on a day-to-day -day basis, hour-to-hour -hour basis. Remember that social media is a curated experience, to quote a friend, which means people are going to show you we tend to want to show on social media our best sides, our most optimistic, our most positive. And so it can be real easy for us to think, wow, they're handling it so well. What the heck is wrong with me? Am I the only one that feels scared out of her mind right now? Am I the only one that is genuinely concerned that I literally have a negative bank account balance right now and my landlord just sent me an email saying my rent is still due 
am I the only one who for the first time has been inside my one bedroom or studio apartment here in New York City with my significant other for this long? And we're fighting like more than we've ever fought before. Like, I mean, this is not my personal experience, but I know this is an experience that's happening right now. And it, that's not going on social media. It's just not. There are, there's a few courageous people who are sharing about it. And, you know, I'm not saying everyone should share about that. I'm just saying there is a danger in being super connected during a crisis like this, because we could start to look at that and say, why aren't, why aren't I processing it as well as they are? So just be mindful of what you're letting into your brain. I, for me, I'm doubling down on the people that I've trusted for years, that I know what they're about, I know what their truth is, I know their authenticity. And for everything else, I kind of take it with a grain of salt, right? So you may have heard in the background, I don't know if you could still hear it, but I paused the recording because it was 7 p.m. here in Manhattan and it was time to celebrate the essential workers. So every night at 7 o'clock, we hang out our windows and make all kinds of noise. And so we were just doing that. So if you started to hear something in the background, I'm not sure if the sound editing is going to get it out, but um, hopefully it didn't because it's pretty special that we do that every night. And that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, I'm going to look back on this and I'm never going to forget those two minutes every single night that I hung out my window in on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and screamed and banged pots and pans with my neighbors and looking across the street and seeing neighbors in the high-rise building across the street and waving to them and spreading the love and then feeling a little sad every night when it's over, just thinking about kind of what healthcare workers are dealing with right now and how awful it is and how, yes, people are dying right now. And feeling both of those things is totally okay and valid and necessary for us to get through this. The musicals and the plays and the film, and it's all going to be there. It'll all come back. It's going to be different. There might be less of it. There might be more of it. I don't know, but let's, let's just be human beings right now. And we best know in our hearts, in our guts, what that looks like for us right now, what that balance is. I don't know it might change on a day-to-day basis. Thanks so much for your support, for listening to the Courageous Actor Podcast. I am very grateful to be even a small part of your day, of your life. Thanks for all the shares and support. I'm excited about the guests we have coming up. So we've got some awesome interviews that I've been doing during this time, some really inspiring stuff, people that I've known over the years who have also been through ups and downs uh, multiple times and I think have a lot of wisdom to share. So Put this on your Instagram stories. If you found it inspirational, text it to a friend. And again, you can find me online at the Sean Carroll on Instagram, Sean Cullen Carroll on TikTok. And I think you can find me on Facebook at Sean Carroll Actor. It's been a pleasure. Stay courageous. Keep being true to yourself. We got this. And until next time, this is Sean Cullen Carroll for the Courageous Actor Podcast. Stay healthy, everybody.